0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: It is Locked On Jazz for the 6th of December. Oh, the luxury to have one of those guys. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, the debate sparks. Kevin Pelton, Mike Smith, sound in. We'll hear what they have to say. ba da bum 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 how are you? All right, let's get it rolling. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers on the Utah Jazz. It's available on Apple Podcasts. Wherever you catch your podcast. you can tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Jazz. You know you can listen to the Jazz games on Alexa, by the way, radio broadcast of the Jazz games on Alexa. If you are a League Pass subscriber, activate the NBA skill inside of Alexa and then tell it to play Utah Jazz basketball. And Alexa will play you the NBA play-by-play. It's kind of cool. Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, Again, thanks to those people who've left those five-star reviews on iTunes. It was really cool. Uh, We were ranked top 140 yesterday, I think, in uh, podcasts. And uh, on iTunes, again, hadn't been up there for a little while. It was kind of cool. I think we had five shows in the Lockdown Podcast Network that were all in the top 200 yesterday. So that was kind of cool when you can be about 2.5% of all the podcasts considering some of the major beastly companies that are out there. So super appreciate uh, the support and, uh, you know, uh, really very, very thankful. All right, let's get to it. Uh, I I watched last night NBA, both of our off nights recently, the NBA has just been incredible. I mean, totally, insanely incredible. And the takeaway last night is really simple. Oh, boy, what must it be like to have one of those guys? And we got Donovan, and he is great. But he's in his second year, as we talked about this week. Last night just was this reminder of the value of insane stardom. Steph dropped 42. Warriors probably win anyway, but holy smokes. He dropped 42 on 20 shots last night. Uh, The Denver game actually wasn't. A star-filled game but Jamal Murray dropped 30 we talked about this idea earlier this year of how many guys do you have that can drop 30 Oklahoma City's down 20 in the fourth quarter Brooklyn just throws up on themselves because they don't have that guy and Paul George goes bananas scores 47 points last night I think he had about 18 or 20 in the fourth quarter Russ had his usual game whatever that is uh Oklahoma City, I think, goes to twelve and zero now against teams that are sub five hundred, which is an admirable accomplishment. They that deserves some credit. Kawhi Leonard in that Toronto Philadelphia game, which was incredible, goes for thirty six while Jimmy Butler goes for thirty eight. I love the Clippers Memphis game. That was actually kind of a throwback, and you didn't nobody had enough ability. Uh, the Stars didn't come out, and the defenses clinched in on that one. And then, um, the and then the the capper of the night not to it wasn't as high profile uh the cappers the high profile uh Carl Towns drops 35 last night in Minnesota's win over Charlotte how about Charlotte just getting their ass handed to them from Western Conference teams recently and they're the fifth or sixth best team uh and and then you have 20 points in the fourth quarter from LeBron last night, which was just epic. I hope you got a chance to watch it. If you didn't, see if there's a way to go find it somewhere. Uh, You know, this is one of the... Last night with LeBron was one of those nights you watch the way you used to watch Michael, when you just want to watch every bit of it one more time uh, because it's going to go away at some point in time. Uh, But he had 42 last night, took over the fourth quarter, had 20 points in the fourth quarter last night. LeBron James fourth quarter last night was seven of eight from the field three of three from three three of six from the free throw line so he, he's he has a flaw and had 20 points and the Lakers came back to beat the Spurs in a game in which the Spurs were uh pretty good I mean surprising considering how um considering how bad they were against us they played Really, really well in that game, but I thought last night was—I don't necessarily mean this is a—I mean, we, Donovan's really not quite that yet. He's—I think he'll be there, and that's what he's heading toward. And if you noticed, every single guy we mentioned there has got multiple years and experience and and times. And I think Donovan's been over thirty eleven times in his career, which is a whole hell heck of a lot for a guy who's played a hundred games. Um, but boy, last night was. A wow factor on the star performance and the value of the star performance in the NBA. It was it was insane. ESPN did a piece on uh, who's the best prospect long term from twenty seventeen. Mike Schmitz, it was really you know Tatum or Mitchell. Mike Schmitz said. Uh, he took Donovan because he prefers Donovan's, quote, pick and roll shot generation from the lead guard spot to t- Tatum's smooth scoring attack and polished footwork. He had some interesting numbers on Donovan. Although his efficiency is a hit, he's shooting 29.8% from three and 49% at the rim. I, I thought he was shooting much better than that at the rim, so I was surprised. Um, I'll have to look that up. Uh, Mitchell's in the 87th percentile on pull-up jumpers ahead of shot makers like Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. That's because of what Donovan's begun to do in the mid-range, which, as much as we talk about you don't want mid-range shots, is actually fine, right? So Donovan is the the one you're going to want to have take mid-range shots. You're going to take... The Rockets peaked it out last year at about 80% of all shots being um, threes or... Threes are at the rim i i i suspect that that is the peak, and so you're going to have twenty percent of your shots being mid range shots now the question is who do you want to have take them um by the way, Donovan and I have at the rim at fifty nine percent this year, so that's down from last year, but it's not tremendous but his mid range long two is now up to forty nine percent that's a big that's a big game changing number for him, and then as hopefully over time as he adds his Gets the above the break three dialed in, um, which I think happens with time and f- and strength and conditioning and all sorts of just like, and I don't mean conditioning like in shape. I mean, conditioning as in years in the league and game management and things like that. I think he'll get better at that. Um, he uh, is one of only 10 players to use over 200 pick and roll possessions, ranking fourth in efficiency behind Kemba, Lillard and DeRozan. I didn't realize that. So that was a great note by Mike Schmitz on Donovan. And I do generally have the feeling that I think Donovan's been really good this year. Um, I, I know the expectations were insane for him. But when I look at Donovan's year, I look at that first part of the year where he was terrific. Then he gets the hamstring, the ankle, and the rib contusion all back-to-back. Sits out two games, and since and then since he sat out two games, he's been terrific. So I was—I generally feel like he's been great. Um, I don't know what numbers Mike Schmitz was working on some of these things. Maybe it's just because um, my second spectrum numbers don't have Donovan as good in the pick and roll. It actually has um, go, uh, Rubio better in the pick and roll. So maybe he was using some synergy numbers or something. Um, you know, there's so many numbers out there. So I don't entirely know what Mike Schmitz was using to find... Uh, Donovan is one of the only ten players with over two hundred pick and rolls, and um, ranking fourth in efficiency behind Kemba, Lillard, and DeRozan. But it's cool if it's true. Um, but I think the bigger point is that there's three levels of scoring: rim, three, and mid. And Donovan's now getting all those. Now Pelton, on the other hand, went and took Tatum. So you can decide you don't like him anymore. Um, so we all just—we all love Kevin. Should we just—he takes him because of his true shooting percentage, his efficiency. Um, you know, um, he talks about how Mitchell's only hitting 28% of his off the bounce above the break three and, and that that's such an important shot. So, uh, I don't know, interesting little debate there. Uh, I'm going to get to your questions and take Western Conference thoughts uh, from you. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at InterCot Cap Lending. Uh, I want to thank them. For their support of the program, this free podcast comes to you because of all their um, support, and it's it's awfully nice of them. So InterCap is really cool. Um, InterCap has just grown mammothly uh, since they started working with us. Steve Carter has been the guy who I worked with, and then I love what I just truly love is when I start to get the uh, reviews back from Locked On listeners who've used them. Brad Hickman said, Intercap Lending was the best experience I've been had in refinancing a home loan. Steve Carter gave detailed options, custom for my own situation. The loan process was made easy by the experience, knowledge, timelessness, personal nature of Steve and other members of the Intercap Lending team. If more looking for a mortgage options, give him a call. I totally agree. That's exactly what I had. Tanner Lacey says, I worked with Steve Carter. It's by far my best experience with a lender. Steve was always on top of everything, was in consistent contact with me, uh, my builder to make sure everything was moving along great. He was super helpful. That's exactly what I experienced at Intercap. You can find the same. Steve's number is 385 885 28. That's 385 885 28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit com. There's a reason why they're able to. Be as customer service. They have no overlays, no additional requirements. Do their direct loans. They can work with you if you have a tough loan, self-employment, business assets, all those kind of things. It is Intercap Lending. Give Steve a call, 385-885-28. All right, uh, have you guys followed this Action Heat stuff? I actually have my Action Heat stuff right here. Look at this. This stuff is so cool. So Action Heat is heated base layer shirt it's basically the same principle of your heated car seat, and except for the fact that it's also now heated socks. Okay, as the ski parent, this is pretty cool. I'm now going to my kids' skis event, ski events, sitting in the cold, so I can watch their 30 seconds of performance if they don't crash first, while sitting out there for four hours in the freezing cold, And I'm not going to be freezing because of Action Heat. Action Heat is clothing engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels, similar to that in the heated car seat. Uh, They reach temperatures up to 135 degrees are powered by rechargeable lithium batteries. You actually can charge your phone on them. Great holiday gift. I'm getting ones for my wife so she can be heated with me because I figure if I'm heated and she's not, it's probably not. And that's a weird sentence I just said, but we'll just ignore it all. Um, Action Heat gives you heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, even undergarments like the heated base layer shirts, long johns. Go check it all out at actionheat.com slash locked on. And you'll save 20% off with locked on at checkout. Actionheat.com slash locked on. And save 20% off with locked on at uh, checkout. Uh, I I took a second yesterday. This isn't the greatest um, mechanism by which to decide what you think of Um, teams and all of those kind of things. Um, But I thought it was interesting just to look at who's done what in the West. Now, let me make sure this is clear. Uh, Your ability to beat bad teams is totally legit. So that's legit. But I also think playing bad teams helps you get some confidence, feel good about yourself. I, I the Thunder are 16-7, and seven, but they have played eight games versus teams with single-digit wins. The Suns three times, Cleveland twice, the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Nets. Like, I seriously believe that the Jazz have played one game against those teams. If, if the Jazz had played more of those style of teams, we'd probably be 16-7, feel good about ourselves, and have the number one defense. Like, I, I just think a lot of that is what's going on. Here's a little breakdown of the West. Denver against top teams in the West is nine and four. It's totally legit, super impressive. There, Memphis is eight and four. Super impressive win last night against, Like, unless they get an injury, they're staying there. Jaron Jackson's great. Gasol, Gasol and Conley are sharp. The Thunder. Are five and five. They've only played ten of their twenty-three games against top teams in the West. They're five and five. They're twelve or thirteen and zero against teams b- below five hundred, which is makes the playoffs. Makes, but you know how good are they? Is the Jazz, who we have been thinking are struggling, are eight and eight, having played sixteen of twenty-five games against the best teams in the West. So the Thunder are 16 and 7. The Jazz are 12 and 13. And it couldn't feel more different in the two spots and how everyone's playing and what they're doing. And yet, 90% of that is schedule. Right? We've played 16 of, first of all, we've played 25 games. They've played 23. That matters. We've played way more on the road than they have. That matters. And we've played 16 of our 25 against top Western Conference teams. They've only played 10. You feel a lot better about yourself when you play six extra games against teams that aren't very good. Like, that's a big, big difference. Clippers are 10-6 and six against good Western Conference teams. So, there's two things here. One is, I would say, the Jazz are in a lot better place than they think, but the teams that are above Utah, if you're waiting for them to all fall, I would say they're pretty legit. Right? I mean, the Clips are 10-6 and six against the West... Denver's 9-4, and, and Memphis is 8-4. and four. Like, that's those three teams that I don't think people necessarily thought were going to be ahead of the Jazz are all super legit. And then the flip side is, obviously, the Thunder are not quite as good as everyone thinks they are. All right, let's get to your questions. Patrick says, on a switch, the Jazz will often try to get a downhill and attack the big that switch on the guard without explosive athletes, should they try to give the ball to a, a big that has a guard on him? Well, I mean, that's the high pass. It's a great question. So you're trying to take advantage of the switch by getting Rudy at the rim. That's the high pass. I mean, we're seeing that. I think a good deal, um, and and it's ha- and I think that's happening um, a a a lot in that time period. Um, so you are seeing it. The other thing the Jazz are doing is they're doing less of what you're talking about. They're doing less of backing it up or passing and getting it back. They're trying to then, maybe if you already have the switch, you can move the switch into another pick and roll and exploit the switch with another with another guy on that switch and things of that nature. They, they've, they've changed that a little bit. Matt Hyde, do you believe Rudy's words are true regarding the refing? It seems Dante can get tackled and they won't get a call. Mitchell, no, I actually don't. Um, I think Rudy's frustrated, and he's busting his butt, and he's trying hard, and I think it probably feels very inconsistent night in and night out to the players on, on what the calls are. I don't think it has to do with that they're looking at Utah and small marketing Utah. Um, and, you know, if you really get into those last two calls at the end of the game the other night, I think they probably both were right. You know, we don't think so because we have our heart involved, but I'm not sure I thought Don was fouled, and I, 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 I think... I think that Wade being fouled was a legit fine call. Could have not called it, too. But not calling it gets into that, well, you don't want to call it late in the game because you want the players to decide. I'm not a big believer in that either because I always feel that makes the refs are deciding it by not calling it, right? So Serge Ibaka holds Nikola Jokic the other night in Toronto. And they call a foul on Ibaka before they inbound with seven seconds left in a tie game. So Denver gets a free throw, makes the free throw, and now they have to foul. And Denver wins, and the referees decided the game because they called that foul, and everyone's outraged, except for the fact that if Serge is allowed to hold Nikola Jokic and Denver can't get the ball into their best player because he's being held, then that's deciding the game also. Would you go under the screens on Rubio favors Exum, Crowder, and O'Neal? I would then tell my players to let them shoot. How does poor shooters open the court? Uh, yeah, I mean, most people do, and so what you, more often than not, what you do if a guy goes under is you re-screen back the other way because now you have it even lower, and if you can re-screen it again, now you're into a, into a closer, supposedly better shot or giving the player more room or taxing the defense a little bit more. Um, but that's what everyone does. Everyone goes under. Well, you don't go under in favors because he has not the ball, but everyone's no one's guarding Dante when he's on the floor. Um So that's a problem. And then Rubio is a little warmer. I mean, Rubio's last 10 games now, 47% from the field or 46% from the field, 41% from three and 16 points a game. You're going to have to start guarding him, or if he doesn't get guarded, he's he's knocking it down right now, and we take advantage of it. Uh, Do you see any other trades in the Jazz future for this season? Oh, I mean, I think Dennis is always working and always trying to do the best he can. So I think it's always a possibility. There aren't a lot of pieces um, that are there to be moved. Uh, and you have to have contracts to move. So there aren't the, the flexibility of making those moves as you've moved one of your pieces off your chessboard. Uh, so I don't I don't think the likelihood is high, but I think Dennis is obviously always working, and that front office is incessantly working. Please explain to the reason we don't sign Jimmer to the Jazz to even test it. I mean the same reason the 29 other teams haven't signed him, right? Like, it's not like the Jazz haven't signed him. Like, no one in the league has signed him for three years, right? Like, maybe the rest of the league is right. Um, Oops, I just somehow switched the... There we go. Uh, You've talked us through favors, Crowder, starting about three weeks ago. Have things changed at all? Can you talk through things? We should keep an eye on favors evolving role in the team. Well, I think the only thing that's changed is that Quinn is... Finding specific matchups and willing to start Crowder when the matchup shows. The other thing that's changed is I think that the Jazz defense with Derek at the center has improved. Um That's I think that's the truly the most important thing moving forward for the Jazz is the ability of the Jazz to defend when Derek's at the five. Because we know when Rudy's at the five, you're going to be great defensively. When Derek's at the five, we have not been great defensively. <clears throat> um, now, early this year, the shooting numbers when Derek was on without Rudy were so weird that it was having a negative impact on the defense, you actually had to throw them all out. And, and so if you look at the on-court defensive numbers for the year when Derek's at center... It's a, the defense is a 107.6, but the offense is a 95.4. It's like, it's truly bizarre. Some of it, like, guys were all shooting, and, and some of it you're playing a lineup of Dante and AB and with Derek, and none of those guys could shoot. Um, So it was, it's actually a really unfair representation of of what's going on. So Dante was playing eight minutes a night, shooting 35% and Donovan shooting 40 and 21. And Grayson played a bunch and shooting 25. And George Niang was shooting 27 and Crowder was shooting 32%. And Ingles was even shooting 41 and 30 and <clears throat> Neto shooting 35 and Rubio shooting 29% went on the floor with favors instead of Gobert, And those are supposed to be our good offensive lineups. I mean, that is just something strange. So, and that obviously, if you don't put the ball in the net, it's going to impact things. So if you look at the last 10 games, which is trying not to cherry pick, there's two bad defensive games at the end of that number. And you go look at the last 10 games, I think that you see that these numbers get much better. I'm pulling it right now. And what that tells you is that, that that's a great sign. Now, the group that has not defended great in this last 10-game stretch is the favors go bear group. So when last 10 games, when Favors on, it's actually still not great. It's still 106.5. The worrisome thing is that with favors and Gobert, it's a 106.2. So that, to me, is the real key here: is the ability to defend. You know, if Der- if you're going to pay Derek 19 million to be your part-time power forward and backup center, you have to be great when he's at center. You ha- he has to be the best backup center in the NBA. Drive your team in a certain fashion that makes you great. Right now, when in the last 10 games, when Favors is off the court, and Gobert's on, we're plus 13. Rudy's defense is incredible. We're back to being incredible when Rudy's on the floor defensively by himself, 94.0. When the two of them are on together, we're a minus 5.2 last 10 games. And when Favors is on the court by himself, we're a minus 10.5. Now, the offense is still kind of strangely... And the, frankly... The amount of time is Gobert by himself, Favors by himself, and then Gobert and Favors. We worry about the Gobert Favors thing so much because it starts, but it's on the court the least. It's only been on. The, it's only on the court like eight minutes a night. Favors as center is on the court about 14 minutes a night, and right now is being outscored by 11 points a game over the last 10 games. I might. I'm going to skew those numbers for a second just because I happen to know that the, the games nine and 10 are negative numbers. I want to see if I go to the last eight if it gets any better. But that's, to me, that's the issue, like the number, but this has been the number one issue for this team for two years is whether or not they can play defense when Rudy's off the floor. Um, Last eight games when Favors and Gobert are on together, the defense is 113, which would basically be worst in the NBA. They're minus eight. With Gobert off the court, they're minus 13, and the defense is a 106.3. And with Gobert on the floor, the defense must be incredible for the last eight games if they've actually won any with those two numbers. So um, that's pretty encouraging. Uh, Today's show is brought to you in part by my friends at Shamrock Auto. Rob was so optimistic when the season started about the Utah Jazz and a rocky schedule has not dissuaded him at all. Better cars, no drama, no hassle, great pricing, and you can get any truck or sedan. Locked on Jazz listeners, you get a free Lifetime 7-day cooler, which is comparable to a Yeti. Lifetime is a Utah company. Also, he had a deal in October. If you bought or sold a truck, you got a $1,000 cash bonus if they won the championship. I don't think we're going to win the championship. never know. Uh, I'm not sure we're actually that different than we thought we were at the beginning of the season. Uh, just past the point of the mountain in Pleasant Grove. You live in Draper, Draper Riverton or Sandy. It's really not that far. Independ- far. Independent car dealership. Most of the cars are 6 to 12 months old, 5 to 20,000 20, miles. Suburbans, Yukons, big SUVs, um, minivans. They have people coming, because of the incredible customer service, they have people coming from all across the country and outside the state who tell Rob and Brady Kimball, what they want. They have 80 years combined experience in automated business. Tech their buyers a technician for over 25 years before joining with Shamrock. Give Rob a call. Read the reviews. Go to Shamrock. Go to Google. Search Shamrock Auto Group. Look at the reviews. Salespeople are helpful. Nice. They get great reviews. Super experiences. Shamrockautogroup.com. Call 801-319-2250. 801-319-2250. All right, let's go back to the questions. Uh, until recently, I think the Jazz have focused too much on the three-point shooting and rim shots and not enough quality open mid-range shots. Think a good offense needs that shot? Not, not. It's 20% of your, off. it's 20 to 25% of your offense. So that matters. But you can't live there. You just can't. The math doesn't work. Um, There is something going on that I'm actually going to do some research on that there's enough threes being taken. That you're not that unique anymore. That's bad English. You're not unique anymore if you're taking threes because everyone's taking threes. And that's swinging some of this discussion. Um, But I don't know who you possibly want to have taking mid-range shots for us. Right? Like, I think that's... You can say oh, we need more mid-range shots. Like, who? Like, Alec was shooting 25% on long twos. Jay Crowder shoots 32% of long twos. Favors is actually not bad at 47% right now. Donovan's at 49%. Okay, Donovan drives. They drop the big, take away the rim, pull up for the mid range. Great. We got 20 to 25% of your shots have to be there. Paint non restricted area. Those two areas. Donovan's picked that up a great deal recently. Ricky Rubio is at 40%. Okay, that's 0.8 points per shot. It's not great. It's not terrible. You can tell with, Rudy, with Ricky, it helps him if the ball goes through the rim and he sees it that way. Like we, It's not like you're bat Here's the misnomer, is that the guy who's missing threes is going to step in and suddenly make a mid-range shot. That's actually just not true. So what you actually have is a not-very-good shooter taking a shot that counts 50% more. You actually want him taking the not-very-good shot. If you look at the Toronto Raptors, what they're doing this year the Toronto Raptors, I believe, are having only allowing their good shooters to take mid-range shots and telling everyone else just to shoot threes when they're open, when they're available, early in the offense. It's pretty interesting. Because, again, the premise that you take a bad three-point shooter, move him inside to another eight feet, take away 50% of the value of the shot is a good idea, is, doesn't make any sense. Like, Indiana's maybe the best mid-range shooting team in the league. <clears throat> and they're at, like, 41%. And they, like, live in there. But that's going to come back to get them. It's just the reality. Kawhi Leonard's taken 122 mid-range shots at 49%. Abaka's taken 62 at 60%. And Kyle Lowry's taken 38 at 50%. Just recently, Fred Van Vliet has started taking some, and he's at 48%. But that's it. They don't let anyone else take them. And then you got OG Ananobi who's taken 83s and has hit like 30%. They don't mind. Delon Wright's not a very good shooter. 36 threes, he's actually making them this year. But he's one of six on mid range, so the last thing you want him to do is take mid range. Players can make more mistakes. Certain players can make more mistakes. Our developmental skills with young players seems to struggle with XM. You want the truth on this, Brandon? Jazz fans love Dante Exum because he was a top five pick and give him a benefit of the doubt that they give, don't give other players. And Dante is not getting the short end of a stick or not being given a chance to develop or anything of that. I mean, that's just not true. I watch it. He makes mistakes or misses plays, and gets taken out. And if he misses shots, he doesn't usually. When he drives and throws the ball in the third row of the crowd after they've been talking about don't make turnovers above the break, <clears throat> that's it. When they work on something with him, and they work and work and work, and they make some mistake. But no one's quit on Dante. No one's, Everyone's still engaged and wants him to do well. I think there's a chance Dante comes back as something other than a point guard by the time he gets back into the rotation. Um, I think that might be a better answer for Dante. But also, let's be honest about where he is right now, right? I mean, I'm a big fan. I like Dante. Um, so, let me take off my personal like for a minute and just let's be honest for a second. Shooting 49% at the rim, 25% in the paint non-restricted, 29% on corner threes, 27% above the break threes. There aren't a lot of players in the league who play with that. Right? Like, I mean... Defensively, he's terrific, and he busts his butt and does great things. But there are not a lot of guys in the league that are shooting 38% from the field, 28% from three. That, that And the offense is about eight points per 100 possessions, worse when he's on the floor, that play. There just aren't. Like This isn't unique to Quinn. Like Go around the league. Find me a guy with those stats that's playing. Like, at some point, it's great to develop him, but there's a hell of a lot of pressure on this team to win, and you've got to be responsible for what your statistics are. Does that mean Dante will never turn it around? No. Does that mean Dante... I I envision Dante as a Trevor Ariza wing defensive player who has the ability to get in the open floor at a level that most wing players don't have. I think his limited playing experience and his injuries may have prevented him from having a good enough feel to play point guard. I don't know. Just a thought. But I believe that you still, every time you watch Dante, there's no question why he's a top five pick in the draft. But I mean, seriously, let's just be really frank. Take the name off of it. Find me a player whose team is seven points worse offensively per 100 possession when he's on the floor who's shooting 38% from the field, 28% from three, doesn't and gets in place. Like, that's just, again, I see it every time I see him play. I see why he's going to be fine one day. Pick and roll, flip to favors, being able to get that read. The incredible electrifying speed, getting more comfortable, hitting the corner three the other night. Maybe take him off the ball. Take a little less responsibility. Let him play with his juice. Let him just go. Maybe that opens it up for him a little bit. Find the come on in and change the game. Find the toughest defensive assignment and go get him. Let's hope. I believe. That is Locked on Jazz. Hope you have a great day. Thanks to Intercap Lending, Shamrock Auto, and Action Heat for sponsoring today's podcast so you can get it for free. We super appreciate you and all you have left nice reviews and done all these nice things for us. It's just very thankful.
0: See you. Rejecting the Screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov.
1: And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the Screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday.